Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and all the way from Ontario in Canada is Ashley. And Ashley Michaels is going to share her story. Michelle. Oh, Michelle, sorry, Michelle. <laughs> is going to share her story today of an attempted murder on her. And, you know, knowing that her boyfriend had already killed one person that she knew and said to her, you're next. And this is not something that anybody wants to ever go through. And thankfully she escaped. But from that moment, her life was filled with post-traumatic stress disorder, depression and anxiety. But instead of taking it over her life, she chose to talk about what happened to her. And more importantly, about the healing process that she used to inspire people to change their lives from going through their own tough times. And she wants someone to look at her and say, because of you, I didn't give up and also uh, she's got a wonderful book out finding strength through tragedy which we're going to be talking about today but the most important thing which we've just talked about pre-show was she does not want to be perceived as a victim she hates the word victim because victim means that you are still in the trauma, that you've still given yourself over to the person that is abusing you. And if you wish to take your power back you're a survivor becoming a thriver and you're becoming a thriver because of what you have survived. So we're going to be diving right into this today and we're going to turn the clock back to actually what happened. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you for having me. So a nasty thing to happen to you, um, violence at any time is, is horrific, but when it's done by somebody you know and that you trust, um, it's, it's a double insult because you know, you've, you then question yourself afterwards, why didn't I see the signs or where, where is my judgment? And there's a whole lot of that you go through. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, let's look at what did actually happen that led up to this. Sure. Um, so on August 28th, um, 2016, my life changed um, in an unthinkable kind of way. Um, I was called to an apartment um, by the former guy I was dating and he had murdered one of his best friends and um before i went up to the apartment i had he and i both told each other we loved each other and um and then we went up to the apartment and he locked all the doors behind me and that's when i thought my life was going to be done at that point in time and um blood everywhere in the apartment um it was horrific. Um, he wanted me to help clean up and I wouldn't. So he got mad and he strangled me and he um, pointed a knife to my back. He said he was already going away for one count of murder. Why not make it two? And um, he then pointed a knife at my back and told me this way would be easier. And then shortly after that, he began trying to pull my pants down and sexually assault me. Um, and then 
a month prior to all this happening, I actually was assaulted on a trail while I was running in broad daylight. Mm. So I was having to come face to face with a lot mm. of trauma. Why did he kill his best friend? I, I don't have the answer and I don't think that we'll never really have the answer. Um, I feel like only those two will know and one of them can't be here to disclose that. And I, anything he says, I, I don't believe right. as to why he did it. I mean, I can have speculation as to why, but I, I'm really not certain. As I said, I was only there for the aftermath, not for the mm. actual um, murder. But um, So how did you escape? I actually ran down 18 flights. Of, so he went to the washroom and then I ran down 18 flights of stairs and I actually saw surveillance at the trial and he was like seconds away from meeting me in that lobby. And I ran across the street to a convenience store and I called 911 from there. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was read my rights was in the back of a police car. Never in my life did I think that I'd be why in the back of a- Why were you read your rights? You were the victim. No, I was read my rights because they didn't know what was going on, right? So they need to like understand the situation and then that's- They arrest everybody and then clear you afterwards. They didn't, well, they didn't arrest me. Like they never placed handcuffs on me, anything like that. But they, they took me in the back of the police car. They brought me to the station. Um, and then they said that I was free to go at any time that I wanted, but obviously I was there and I wanted to, to give a statement about what happened. I wasn't just gonna, you know, leave and, and, you know, they can't have somebody sit in the front of the police car. That's just not how it goes. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, like they were, you know, I am where I am today because of the police, the detectives, um, victim services, my crown attorney, like I had a phenomenal team that literally rallied around me and they, I still talk to some of them to this day and they have been so supportive of this journey that I'm on and it's because of them that I'm on this journey actually before they even questioned me the police had said to me can you promise us something and I was like okay what would you like me to promise you and they're like please don't turn to the streets and end up in prostitution or drugs or alcohol that just tells you that the statistics for yeah. survivors of crime is so high yeah. and that's the reason why I decided to write this book and share my journey like I wish I could sit here and tell you I'm an isolated situation but this is a worldwide epidemic there are survivors of crime every single day worldwide nationwide countrywide survivors of crime happen all the time. And I get that COVID has been extremely important, but crime has not stopped. Crime has almost escalated as a result of COVID-19. Especially in the domestic area, because there's uh, no escape, yes. right? So yeah. No, there's no escape whatsoever. You know, you're forced to now be stuck with your abuser. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing, you know, people are so quick to judge. And I actually wrote a blog on this about how words hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so people always say, oh, like, why didn't you just like leave him? Like, you know, there were times that me and the, um, the cute or the 
person that went to jail, he, uh, me and him, like, didn't always see eye to eye on things. And, you know, there are times where people are like, oh, you should just like, you know, walk away. But like, it's not always that simple to walk away, you know, especially when you care about a person, you want to see them succeed, you want to see them be successful, you want the best for that person, right? And my first relationship ever actually in college was extremely abusive, extremely toxic. Um, Anyways, what ended up happening there is people were like, okay, well, why don't you just leave? Well, I couldn't because I was living with him at the time. I had signed a one-year lease, right? So people don't understand that it's not just that simple to leave. Like there's finances involved. There could be children involved. There's just so many reasons why you can't just pick up and leave too. And it is the most dangerous time when you leave your abuser. And that's called separation assault. That's when you're most likely to get killed when you leave your abuser. Yeah, without the support. You need to have exactly. the support in place, yes. You need to have, no, you need to have an exit plan. You need to have a plan. And I'm not just talking about going to a neighbor's house or going to somewhere where they're going to find you, especially if this person's been in your life for so long. Right. You know, you want to reach out to your community resources, go to your local shelter. They will help you create a plan. And that's something that's free, no cost. That's what you need to do. And, and also um, make sure that you document the abuse. Very often when something happens and they, you know, they, they find a victim dead and they can see bruises, they can see everything on them, is there, but has there been any, you know, any, um, has they ever come forward before? Most people are too scared to come forward, too scared to go to the police because they're too scared of the repercussions they're going to get. So they keep quiet about it and grin and bear it or, or you know pray for the time that they can exit but we don't empower people that are trapped to um find a way out without no. feeling doubly mm-hmm. victimized which very often can happen and it's very easy to say to someone just leave um yeah you know, i've been Absolutely. there i've done that and uh, uh you get to a point where you have to you just have to but as you said have the exit strategy it's very important to have that because as you said, um, I mean, I moved a thousand miles away from a boyfriend only to find out that he'd set someone on following me everywhere, right? So it's, um, you have to kind of stand up and face them and face them with a group of people or professionals behind you and make sure the spotlight is put on them. So then, you know, anything they do, they will be looked at. but it's very difficult because there aren't the resources out there with the police and everything else. And very often women are not taken seriously. And it's not just women, men as well. And it's very, very difficult. I mean, he was seconds behind you, but when you ran across the street, did he try and escape then? Um, from what I learned at trial, he went back up to the apartment and collected some stuff and the police uh, got to him um, before he had left the apartment. And uh, they ended up arresting him right there on the spot, which thank goodness for that, yeah. because he also had keys to my apartment as well. Right. Um, so I was worried he was going to come back and mm-hmm. find me eventually. Right, exactly. And, you know, we've, we've got to understand that when somebody is vengeful like that, you know, the, uh, you, quote, turn them in, there's a vendetta on their side. 
because they they don't see what they've done wrong to you they only feel what you've done wrong to them you know 110 percent, absolutely i completely agree with that and you know until they either go through the process of understanding what their crime was and uh, where some people can but some people you know they're maybe psychopaths and it's just out of their capability of understanding what they did wrong um i don't yeah i don't know i feel like once a psychopath i feel like always a psychopath i yeah. don't feel like yeah. those people change no, i feel like those people <laughs> learn to manipulate the system that much more yes yeah oh no, um, they're masters of their their disguise they really uh, are yeah. they, they are and they feed everybody everything that that person wants to hear you know yeah very um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, being in the domestic abusive relationship and there's something called a trauma bond, mm -hmm. which is when, you know, the abuser will say, I'm sorry until yes. they're blue in the face. They'll put on that charm yeah. in front of other people, right? And they try to draw you back in again and again. It's almost like an addiction, mm -hmm. you know? It's almost like you become addicted, like what you see is what you know type thing. Right. You know, they didn't mean it. You know, yeah. uh, oh, they're making up for it. And, and it's like, no, you know, they've just pulled the wool back over your eyes and and they are simply charming. So, yes, it can be very, very difficult. Um, the, you know, when, when somebody's physically abusing some, somebody, you could see the, the bruises, the scars, you know, the physicality of it. But there is so much um, mental abuse. Oh, and so much psychological. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. Like just because you don't have bruises or scars on you, it doesn't mean that that's not abuse. Like yeah. there's so much emotional damage that happens. There's so much mental abuse that happens. Like that was, there was some physical aspects, um, in my first relationship with violence, but there was a lot more like mental and emotional. Like it took me him cheating on me to, for me to leave. Right. That's when I finally like said, okay, like I had enough. And you know, I had a lot of good friends at the time and they took me in right away and he just, you know, kept the apartment, but it, it was bad. And you know, what you see is what you know, like, I mean, I didn't have the perfect upbringing. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's challenging. And I mean, my self esteem was lowered as a child. I, I was bullied my whole high school life. Um, you know, for being on honor roll for being student council, I was bullied because Good. of those things yeah. right like i was like the goody two shoes and you know people were envious of that people didn't like that um and then you know i didn't have a lot of support like i'm really lucky like i have my grandma my aunt and my cousins and that's kind of like my family and then i have another family and that's friends who have literally become my family like yeah. i'm really one to say that blood does not define right. your family at all it's who's going to support you at the end of the day. You know, up. going through trauma and everything else, you really learn who's in your life for it all and who's in your life for ulterior motives. Yes. yes. I, you know, I believe everybody goes through something for a reason. And, right. you know, it's, it is a, a redirect. It, it is a, a push to find our strength, a push to find our courage, our abilities, our reason for living, you know, our skill, our tools, and very often our platform. 
of what we're going to do with the rest of our lives in helping other people, you know, survive and thrive through uh, whatever it is anybody's been through. Um, and it's a test of us. And, you know, I don't think anybody goes through life without some form of test. And some people are tested early, some later, and some, you know, very significantly, some minorly. But it is all about us kind of stepping up into ourselves, you know, living from the inside out and going, I'm worth more than this. I deserve more than this. Um, I am love and I do not deserve to be treated in this way. But it's a journey you have to take. Oh, it is. It 100% is like you have to be willing to feel every emotion that you yeah. need to feel. You have to be accountable for yourself. Like at the end of the day, you know, yeah, you have a ton of support, but you're the only one that's looking out for yourself at the end of the day and your best interest. And you have to decide how you want to move forward. And for me, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it was an easy journey. I mean, I hated myself after this trauma happened. I mean, I got acne for the first time in my life. I got eczema for the first time in my life. And I felt my confidence drop massively. I'm like, now I'm stuck with all these scars, you know, I, and then I felt all this guilt, like, how could I be alive, but the deceased isn't here? And I felt guilty every time I crossed the street. I felt guilty every time I got to go for a workout. I had, and then I went through all the what ifs. Well, what if I did this for the person that's, you know, a murder? What if I got them help sooner? What if I you know, did this or that? Like I, I went through all the what ifs, I went through Sorry, we have a freeze here. What already happened? Sorry, we had a freeze there for a moment, but. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, uh, the what ifs uh, are always around the guilt. Oh, yeah. And when we stop feeling guilty and go, okay, there's a certain part of me that may have invited this because my self-esteem was too low. When you're resonating on a higher vibration, it's harder to be treated so badly. Uh, when was right resonating because you were you were attacked um, a few weeks before in the park, and then yeah. your boyfriend, and then the other boyfriend in the college is that you know you did extremely well at school that every parent would normally love and anybody would go this is fantastic her career is ahead of her because she's doing so well but you felt less than because yeah. you were doing so well which is a kind of an oxymoron because most people doing so well should feel good so it's more systemic it's it's deeper than that and until we actually are willing to open up the door to the pain inside, to go inside into that injured child, that injured person and go, what really is holding me back? Why do I feel this way? Why do I attract these kind of people? Until we learn to love ourselves, we are always going to be opening the door to some form of abuse. And- Oh, exactly. So you kind of, this, this last thing was kind of the, the icing on the cake as far as no, I, I'm not going to take this anymore. And then you had to go through the guilt, the what if, I should have, why didn't I see it? You know, what is it about me that attracts them? You know, the whole gamut that one does doing that. And it's okay to ask those questions. It's, it's part of the process of releasing. And then at some point you have to go in is, the answer is, I don't love me enough. Why not? 
Oh, 100%. That's exactly how it was. Like, I, I didn't feel worthy. I had no value. I had no self-esteem. I had no confidence. I literally was so withdrawn. I would literally just come home and sleep. Like, I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to interact. I just wanted to shut out the world around me. Um, actually, it was October of 2016, um, Thanksgiving weekend. I decided to mix some pills with alcohol. And uh, that was my first and only suicide attempt because I definitely learned from that. It was pretty scary. And I thought to myself, I thought, how could you be this selfish mm-hmm. when you're a survivor, A, yeah. and B, you have a responsibility. You have to testify yes. for the deceased. You have to get justice served. Mm-hmm. How could you be thinking of taking your own life right now? Right. But that was your bottoming out. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I sunk to the water. lowest of lows. Yeah. yeah. We have and, to get there sometimes. We do. We have to get there. You have to Yeah, we, sometimes we do have to hit rock bottom. Like, I completely agree with you. Like, I just couldn't. And I was such an emotional person before this. I just couldn't take, like, all the feelings, too. Like, everything was just so overwhelming. Um. So, anyways... After that, I was so fortunate to get counseling. Um, Even before that, I was in counseling a little bit, but I started it more and more. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't be where I am today without counseling. It's just been such a huge inspiration. And the people that have like been in my life and stepped up and like gave up their lives and were there every day in the trial for me, like that's something I'll never forget. Like having that support says everything, having those moments where I could just like send a message to my counselor and we would book an appointment that day. Like it was phenomenal the support that I had and I think that that's so vital to a healthy recovery is making sure you have that support team those people that are going to rally around you and those people that are going to be there for you day in and day out those are the kind of people that you want in your circle the ones that are going to bring you up not bring you down and I don't care if it's you know blood related family like you need to cut out who you need to cut out so you can you know better yourself as a person you can't have people that are going to hold you back consistently you know I've had family relationships where I just thought they would change more and more and I get my hopes up and then you know I'd be let down again and I'm just like why do I keep doing this to myself it's just like you know we talked about the cycle of abuse in our relationship well this is no different why do I keep going back for more and more why do I keep wanting to get hurt over and over again like how is that being fair to myself I really you know had to self-reflect and think about okay what things do you want in your life? And one of them was positivity, yes. not negativity. Yeah. Right. That's the only way that I was going to get better and develop a, a healthy self-esteem, a healthy self-worth, a healthy value. And that's how I was going to get myself back. It's like you literally have to rebuild yourself mm-hmm. from scratch. Yeah. But it's on and your terms. It is. It's not it ha- somebody else's condition no. or expectation. It's on your terms, right? It has to be on your terms, you know, you have to, and you have to be willing to put a hundred percent work 
into yourself. Like you can't just like give it half of your time. Like I really, really think that coping strategies too are so effective and so vital. Like the gym literally saved my life, but for somebody else, you know, maybe that's going to be writing a book. Maybe that's going to be journaling. Maybe that's going to be going to group therapy. Maybe that's yoga. Like for everybody's going to have a different coping strategy. But for me personally, it was the gym, like going and lifting those weights, built my self-esteem back, built my confidence back. Like it was the beginning stages of rebuilding myself essentially. Yeah. It was my happy place, like my mini vacation where I go and just de-stress and release all my emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. And we have to find that outlet. And, you know, as you said, it's very, very important. And, you know, I've always been the spiritual counselors, but people call on me when they need help. So when I actually said I need help, nobody believed it because I'm the counselor, you know, I've got the answers. So why do I need help? You know, and why can't I help myself? And you, you made a huge point there. You need a team around you. You need, you know, you can call George for this and Matilda for that and Joan for that. And, and each person plays a different role and they're there as a different strength for you. And it's not going crying on the shoulder and woe is me. It's about, you know, I'm, my thoughts are taking me down a path. Help me redirect help me redirect these thoughts or just spend the thoughts so that they don't consume me. And it's really, really important that you do have a team around you because I've done it on my own and it's not fun. And it's uh, no. at the same time, you know, with the facade on the face uh, where nobody oh, believed yes. anything was wrong anyway. <laughs> right? So- I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, like as to what you just said, there are um, so many people thought that I was this bubbly, happy, go lucky girl. Like everybody's like, no way you would never go through something like that. Like you're just too positive. You're just too happy. And I'm like, well, just because a person's one way, you don't know how things are behind closed doors. Or it's inside, just like, you know, inside of you. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like social media. Like just because I take a picture of me smiling, it doesn't mean that I'm the happiest person on earth just because you smile once. You know, how much pain could be behind that smile? Right. What's that person actually really going through? You know, like people think that just because they see, you know, a happy family or a person smile that they have the best life, but we don't know what we don't no, know. Exactly. I know the other thing is we're scared to ask. And yes. if something goes on wrong with, you know, we'd like, well, no, actually my marriage is a shambles. It's a complete lie. And da, 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 and go, I don't know what to do with this. And the next thing you know, they're not calling you anymore. Right. They don't want to know, exactly. you know, so it, you know, sometimes the people that are close around you are there at that level. You can't mm-hmm. take them to the other level because all of a sudden you shatter the, the illusion they have of you. So you need to seek out different people who can see you, uh, who aren't afraid to see you from the inside out, to see how broken you are, to see the trauma that you're living in and that whatever facade face you put on, there's a turmoil that's going on inside of you. And somebody who's willing to see it, willing to be there, willing to help you spend it, make sense out of it, find the strength from it. And very often, it's not the people that have been your besties because they're the besties yes. with the illusion. They're not the people that have the ability or the strength to be able to see what's going on in the inside and help you. Oh, for sure. I could not agree with you more. Like, 
you really, really find out who's going to be in your corner and you really find out who's not in your corner. And just because you've been longtime friends or, you know, you have this deep connection with a family member, it doesn't mean that they're going to be there for the rest of your life. And when you're rebuilding yourself, you know, you might lose some people in the process. They might not like the new version of you. And, you know, you've got to be okay with that. Right. I mean, I have a best friend, um, it's 37 years we've almost known each other um and i mean my god she's been a trooper you know my house burnt down when i broke my ankle when other things happened to me she was there she's always there um one time she called me out you just lost your mother it's your 60th birthday um i'm taking you to mexico for two weeks and she's such a cheerleader of mine she really is but she doesn't listen to my show she doesn't really understand what i do but she talks about me all the time but when I actually finally did talk to her about my marriage, which was a browbeating marriage, it was an emotional uh, trauma, she, she said, I didn't see that. You guys look so perfect together. Now, it doesn't mean I turned away from her. It just means I can't converse with her about that because she didn't see it. I keep my friendship with her on that level. And we're still besties there. But she's not the one for me to talk to about what I went through because it's just not compass for her, which is okay. We, we accept the friends on the level that they can communicate with us, but it is essential to find someone who can hear you, who can hear you, who can feel it, and who can help you through that process. And very often you'll find it is a stranger or a counselor, but somebody that hasn't been living in the facade of you. I have two incredible, like I have tons of incredible people in my life, but I have two specific ones that came to the trial every day. Um, Both of them actually wrote a quote in my book. Um, They have been my biggest supporters. Like I, I don't think I would be where I am today without the both of them. One stepped up and is pretty much like, a mother figure in my life and the other ones we we call each other sisters like we literally buy each other cards for our birthdays and Christmas that are sister cards <laughs> and you know we look like sisters I mean yeah. we both got the blonde hair all that um but I'm so fortunate for the two of them like they yeah. always put a smile on my face I know I can call them at any time and they'll they'll be there in a heartbeat for me and you know, I'm just, I'm so fortunate. I, that is one thing I am beyond grateful for is the amount of great people I have in my life. And like I've been in London for 11 years and I can't tell you how many inspirational people and courageous people that I have in my life. Like that's where I get my strength from is through them and knowing that they're going to be there to support me no matter what. It's just, it's so refreshing to have great people in your life. It's also seeing yourself through their eyes. You know, we're inclined to see ourselves, you know, um, you know, the emphasis is on everything that you're not not on the abundance of what you are and when you grow up with that you're you're so self-critical and you always feel a failure and you always feel I'm never enough and then when you've got people who see you from the inside out and they see your abundance and they see you know all the the gifts that you really are you know then it's like well how come you see this and I don't can I borrow your eyes (laughs) and start looking in and they start bringing that person out in you 
right? And then they suddenly really, you start seeing yourself yes. and you go, hey, okay, I am pretty cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, exactly. A hundred percent. Like I'm just, I'm so thankful for the people that, and like I said at the beginning of this, like even the police, the detective, like everybody has been so incredible. And like, even with my book coming out this week too, I've had so many messages. I've even had people reach out to me and tell me they're a recovering addict or they've been in abusive situations. And it's so incredible that they trust me enough to share their stories with me. And, you know, I talk to them about finding different coping strategies as well that will help them specific through their trauma and their experiences. And it's just, that is all that I want through this journey. I want someone to look at me and be able to say, you know, because of you, I, I didn't give up. I'm, right. you know, I'm a survivor. I'm a warrior. And that's what I want from people. And we talked about this too, is the word victim. Like yes. I, I don't think I've never once thought of myself as a victim. I think that everyone is a survivor. They're a warrior. They're courageous. They're brave. Like we need to start using words like that. Then using words that are like a victim. Like if you tell a 15 year old or a 16 year old, they're a victim that just decreases their self-esteem right there. That lowers it. Yeah. You were victimized, but you chose not to be a victim. Exactly. That's the definition. Like you were definitely victimized that because that's what happened to you. But you chose not to take on the label of being a victim. And that's no. really the strength of a survivor. Exactly. And like, that's what people need to realize. You know, people need to, especially when people are at their lowest of lows, we want to encourage people and we want to boost their confidence, not decrease their confidence. Yeah. We want to use positive language with them, not words that are going to hurt their self-esteem and self-worth, right? We don't yeah. want people turning to the streets as a result because right. they think nobody's there to support them. You know, we want to use positive, meaningful language. The other, that thing, against, to, well, the other thing about victimization is that there are some people that become the victim stay in the victimization because of the attention they're getting right and uh, nobody can help you not one single person on this planet can help you if you still wish to be a victim you have got to choose not to be the victim you've got to choose and be willing to go through the process that's where your strength and your courage and your ability comes from it's not from being the victim it's deciding not to be the victim and if you're looking for attention by being the victim then uh, you're not only re-victimizing yourself, yeah. you're showing that you don't have any strength to ride over this. You're using this as a crutch for people to feel sorry for you. And the people are only going to feel sorry for you for so long before they go, it's really time to move on or time to do something else. And then the victim feels more victimized because nobody is there for them anymore. We've got to be there for ourselves. Other people around us are there to cheer us on, but we've got to step up and be there for ourselves. And when something happens to you, you've got to say, this doesn't define me. Absolutely. This is, what, this is what happened to me, but this is who I became because of it, because I am not a victim. It's all about turning pain into strength. I yes. really, really, truly believe that. Yeah. And I mean, too, like, this is your life. How do you want to live it, right? Yes. 
Like, do you want to live it being negative and, and harsh on yourself? Or do you want to live it in a positive, meaningful way? Right? Like you really have to choose. You really have to self-reflect and think what you want out of this life. And, you know, I think it's so important too for survivors of crime or survivors of any trauma, you know, maybe rather it's that you just came off of drugs. I, I think it's important and so crucial to share your story when you're ready because yes. you become a teaching tool for other people, right? Yes. Like the best teachers learn- of those that have gone through it. They're very yes. They understand. They, yes. They're relatable. They you're relatable yes. to them. Yes. And yeah. people learn from your trauma yes. and your experiences yeah. and your past. And it yes. and it brings awareness to a situation. Like this situation that I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I tell my story. But at the end of the day, this really isn't about me. It's about the whole picture. It's about there are so many survivors of crime. It's way bigger than just me. Right. Like yeah. out there all the time, you watch the news and it's there. But it's like, also an invitation to other yes. people to don't turn a cheek to me, don't turn a blind eye to me, don't yes. treat me differently. Yes, I, I'm. I haven't got leprosy or a coronavirus. Yes. I haven't got that. So don't treat me as if I am a virus. Um, I had something happened to me. Reach out and just say, I can give you a hug. I can just be there to listen. I can bake you a dish. Whatever way you want me to be there, I will be there. And that's the important Bringing awareness. Like we're seeing so much, um, so many stars today coming forward talking about depression or talking about being raped when they were young. And, you know, a lot of people, la, 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 no, no, I put you on a pedestal. I, I revere you. I don't want to hear that happen to you. But hearing it's happened to them even though they're at that yes. highest level in their career to show what they went through what they struggled through what they even they still struggle through yet look where they are today look at the impact they're having on other people well like trauma doesn't care if you're rich or poor no. upper class middle class it can happen to anyone yeah and you know too this is where like hyper vigilance comes in you know i'm like super hyper aware of my surroundings now like when something is off I know it's off like there was a situation this year where I felt something was off and I called 911 right away and sure enough I was right because I got a call the next day about it so like you never know that's why I think too it's so important if you feel uncomfortable you reach out in your toolbox and you call 911 because you should never feel uncomfortable nobody has the right to make you feel like you're in fear for your life that's not okay I live with an 88 year old who is a black belt and even now she could still toss someone because she's learned the other. She's five foot dot, right? Five, oh my gosh. Feisty little thing, but she's from people of six foot two. And like the other day, she's running down the road chasing after a dog that escaped and everybody's dog snack, you know? And it's like every time she meets my kids or friends or anything, do you know how to defend yourself? This is what you do, this is where you go. And it, learning some self defense as a, as a tool as a skill of knowing what to do is, is, is a part of that self-security, you know, for yourself, but listening to your instincts, not your fear, your fear and mislead mislead and mislead you, listening to your instincts, you know, when something's off, go and put yourself somewhere very, very public 
and put yourself amongst people that you are not going to be laid victim to, but listen to the same thing. See, and that's where it was, that's where it's tricky because with COVID, this thing happened to me back in October and everything was closed. Right. And it's like, okay, like it was a rainy night and I'm just like, okay, well, there's nowhere I can go. Like I ended up calling someone to like, come pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I called 911 as a result, but that's like, that's what makes it hard with like the pandemic and, and having things close. That's why, you know, it's so important to make sure your cell phone's always charged. Yes. Make sure you have it handy with you. Make sure you, I've bought whistles now that I carry around with me when I go for runs, etc. I think that that's important. Like make sure that you have everything that you need so you can get to safety. Like, I think yeah. it's so vital. And two, like this generation too, I've noticed always has their heads in their phone. Yes. And you know, what if something happens? It takes two seconds for someone to grab you Yeah. and to, you know, end up in a traumatizing situation. You know, that's why it like, sure. There are moments where I'm on my phone, not going to lie, but I'm also really, really vigilant. You know, if I feel uncomfortable, I'll let that person walk in front of me. Right. um, Instead of behind me. Um, But you you get these little devices that literally could be attached to your phone as somebody grabs you from behind and you can press it immediately and it goes off like a siren. Now, are they going to want to be sticking around with so much loud sound coming out there that, you know, immediately it draws attention? What's that sound? Because what do people do when they hear the police, the fire, and then they look outside the window? Where is it going? What's happening? Right. So draw attention to yourself. Also, please fight back. Please fight back. Whichever way you can. But the most important thing is try not to get yourself in that kind of situation. We've got some background sound going on there. I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. Um, weird. Uh, but it, you've got to learn to fight for yourself, not just during attack, after the attack, but it's also the forgiving of yourself, letting the guilt go. Um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, if I had done this, this wouldn't have happened. But it did happen, and it's, you know, it's not your fault. And it's what can you do about it now? How can you empower other people now? How can you empower yourself? Where, where is that journey to your own self-love? Because that's really ultimately what life is about, is your own self-love and exuding that love out to others. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's about you growing as your own individual person mm-hmm. and you overcoming your trauma and, you know, learning from it and taking the time to learn about yourself and the process. You know, I felt like writing a book was, you know, people were like, Oh, that must've been so hard. And I felt like it was very therapeutic in a sense, you know, it pretty much allowed me to place all my emotions on paper. And it was a really lovely process too. I mean, there were some things where it was extremely hard. I, I actually lost someone super close to me of cancer this year. And, um, I dedicated a page to her in my book. And I think when I received my book, reading that page, that's where I started to cry and tear up. Um, when I was writing the book, her and I talked back and forth, um, 
about the book and everything. And she gave me so much feedback and, you know, she read some of it and she told me that I would have this book out someday. And she said that I would help so many people. And, you know, she was such an inspiration herself. I mean, she fought her way through cancer. Um, and that this book is definitely inspired by her as well. Um, but no, it was, it was the best thing that I could do. And especially to share my story and, and help other people and, and bring awareness. And, you know, I talk about mental health and PTSD and anxiety and depression. I mean, those are so hard and, you know, people too don't understand this, you know, with PTSD, actually there comes some, some memory loss. And sometimes like I, I find myself forgetting what I was, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And immediately, like, I'm like, that's, that's part of the PTSD, yeah. right? Yeah. Is you lose, you know, some of your memory. And uh, so, you know, I, I still find that a bit of a challenge from time to time. Like, you know, there's still going to be those flashbacks on like anniversaries and stuff like that. Like I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about what happened. I just don't let it consume me. I write it out in a healthy way and I get it out in a healthy way. And I, I feel all my feelings that I need to feel. And, you know, every anniversary year I've gone to the cemetery and I've gone to counseling that day and I go to the gym that day. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that I do because I know that those are the three things that are going to help me. I take it off from work every single year and I do the same thing for the past four years on that anniversary. It's your therapy. Um, you know, but you know, it, you also your blog posts, you know, you, you write a lot of things, which is not only the things that people don't realize is that you're not sharing to get sympathy. You're sharing to show um, how to find strength, how to make, make meaning out of this and um, how to share your navigation in life, you know, to thrival, not just survival. And by sharing the, the, the stories and the blogs and the ups and the downs, other people that are going through something, they feel that they're not alone, that somebody's listening to them because they feel like that too. You, they, you could be talking about their story. And the worst thing you can feel when you've been traumatized with anything is the feeling that you're alone. That is the worst feeling. And you be having people around you, as we said earlier in the tribe, but also reading what other people have gone through. It helps you understand you're not alone. You can find strength. There is a way out of this. I can be whole again. I can step into that self-love. I can have a meaningful purpose. I am abundant. But getting there is a journey. And it's one way yeah. you really need to participate in your own healing. And very yeah. often just reading a blog, like you're writing um, your book, which is, you know, is relatable, sharing a story like this. If for somebody else, they've gone through a different trauma, but nevertheless, it's a trauma and they're finding their way through it. I would say 90% of the people I've interviewed are people who have gone through some form of trauma, some form of heavy redirect of cosmic two by four. And all of them have said, I wouldn't change anything because who I am today, what I'm doing today, and whom I'm serving today is the abundance like no other. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got here, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing had I not gone through what I've gone through. 
You know, I don't think that time heals all wounds. I think it's what you do in that time. What you do with the wounds. Yeah. 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 And for me, this was just, you know, another stage in the healing journey was writing this book. And like you said, it's, it's about being relatable to other people. You know, there are so many people that are going through similar things that we don't think of. Like it's, it's so crazy to me. And this is another reason I had to write a book too. I, I actually had someone here in London, um, approach me and she recognized me from the news. And she told me that her only son was murdered as well. And I, I couldn't, I, I just, I couldn't get that out of my head as to like, just how common yeah. it is. Like, it's so sad. And, you know, we had someone else here in London that I knew of, and uh, he was murdered on his birthday downtown here in London. Like, it's just, it's sad how much this stuff actually happens. And how much it's brushed over. You know, if, if we, I've done shows on uh, um, doulas, you know, deaf doulas and midwives. And a midwife and a deaf doula are in the same job. One is bringing life into the world and one is helping life leave. But both should be celebratory. And for a life to be taken before it has a chance to celebrate life or to have someone around them where, as they celebrate their exit is so very sad. Uh, we have a sole contract that we sign when we come here and we don't know what the experience is going to be or how long, but it's for the human experience. But I just, I'm so sick to death of violence. And so sick to death of other people in their own insecurity, in their own fear, in their own um, their own vulnerability, taking it out on other people. Each I am one so, of us yeah. has to work on it ourselves, right? It's up to us. It is. Like, enough is enough. Like, yeah. I've had enough of hearing about crime. So what am I doing about it? I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm getting my message out there and sharing it with the world. And I'm trying to bring as much awareness as possible to this situation. I want to be the voice of reason. I want to be the voice of change. Yeah. And if these podcasts can get the message out there and, and help other people and bring awareness, like even on um, in my book too, I actually have different community resources and, and outlets that you can reach out to because those are vital yeah. and, you know, recovering and healing and getting through your trauma. Like you can't do this without the proper help and support. You can't just, you know, a smoker just doesn't quit smoking just like that. It, it's, it's a process. It's, it's a stepping stone. And you have to be willing to allow other people to help you get to where you need to be as well. Yeah. Not count on them per se, but allow them to you know, help you get to where you need to be like with counselors, with victim services, with all of that stuff is, is just so empowerful. Like when the police give you resources, take those resources because they will help you. They are there to support you. They are there to get you through it. And you know, wounds become scars and they're always there to remind you what happened but they're also to remind you that it's no longer happening to you. That exactly. That you have survived, you have a scar to show for it, but you're not dead, you're still alive and, and living is what is important and what you do with that life, right? Exactly. 
And, you know, too, I was, I was in uh, the grocery store and I was approached by a lady that I didn't know. And uh, she told me she was one of the people that were on the jury of the trial. Mm. And she told me how strong and courageous I was. And I just like, she could have just walked away and not said anything. But the fact that she like came up and like said what she wanted to say to me was just, that was so inspirational alone. Like, and I I actually write about that in the book as well. And uh, it's just, it's, you never know who's watching your journey, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the point is inspiration begets invitation. Yes. Right. Now, if you're inspired by someone or you've inspired someone, it's an invitation for us to step up in our own mm-hmm. lives, in somebody else's lives. Anybody listening to this podcast today, you know, somebody who's gone through a trauma. It doesn't have to be attempted murder or witnessing, you know, or seeing a murdered body or fearing for your life. It could be any amount of trauma. You know what it's like. Be there for someone else. You know, someone who's going through it. Just say, I'm here as a sounding board. I'm here to help in any which way. Don't come in with all the dictation of what they should do. Come in and ask them what they know. And if they say they don't know, then say, I'm simply there for you. I'm simply there for you. And and that's all that you need. Or I'm thinking of you, you know, I I hope like all is well. You Just like a simple check-in, a simple reminder, just letting them know, but having that Space, like having those boundaries but I think it's just it's so important just to be that that soundboard just to be that listening ear like that's all you need like I don't want judgment I just want someone to be able to just listen and that's how I am with other people I just want to you know talk to me about whatever you need to talk to me about and I'm here to listen I'm not gonna judge you or point fingers at you because what good is that gonna do you or myself no and their process may be different to yours but as long as they get there and the whole thing about their journey is be there supportive and sometimes sharing your skills and your tools sometimes it's hug along the way or helping them get back up and sometimes it's just cheering them on Right? Exactly. They, they've got to walk that journey but you they can do. be it in support yeah you can be the cheerleader you can encourage you know and I don't think that there's anything wrong you know with building somebody up whatsoever like I think that's so important to you know help them get their self-esteem help them get their confidence back and and that all comes through simple things like listening and you know maybe sharing your story with them as well you know being relatable like we talked about like those are all important aspects into somebody's healing you know they don't want judgment or ridicule they just want somebody that they feel safe with someone they can trust someone that they can just pour their heart out to somebody who really cares exactly yeah Yeah. you know because the whole journey is about to caring for yourself a hundred percent like in order to help other people you have to be willing to help yourself first and if you can't do that then you're not going to help anybody else because if you're not at your best how are you going to get other people to be at their best you just you can't nope no you can't so finding the book is finding strength through chatterty where did they find it how do they get to your site? Because I know you have some wonderful blogs on there. And oh, you have you. a private uh, Facebook as well. Yes. So it's ashleyinspires.com is where you can purchase my book. 
And there's many blogs on there as well. Um, there's journeying through the court process. Um, there's um, domestic violence blogs. Um, a lot of blogs about trauma, um, coping methods. Um, and then uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Ashley Michelle. And uh, you can also um, feel free to email me at ashley.ashleyinspires.com. And um, I look forward to uh, people purchasing the book. And I look forward to continuing this journey as well. The whole point of our lives is that we're going to get knocked down. The yes. test is how do we get back up? And in getting back up, what do we learn from it? What do we discover about ourselves, about our journey? And how do we help others that are being knocked down and get back up again? Because ideally, we are a community that's there for each other. And we're only as strong as we are there in support of each other. Violence will always be there when people are resonating on a low self-esteem and a low vibration. The more we raise our, our own frequency to that love, kindness, and caring for ourselves, from ourselves, to others, the more we're going to build that community up and make it strong where we will be talking less about violence rather than, uh, than continuing to talk about it. Thank you so much for sharing that. It, um, you know, keep, keep our, the voice going because it is, you know, your story is somebody else's story out there. And knowing that you've got through it, what has become because of it, whom you're helping because of it, is that invitation that they need to have. So thank you so much for sharing your story. No, thank you so much for taking the time. And, you know, I just want everybody to know that they can do anything that they put their minds to. Opportunities are endless. Mm -hmm. And you never know who's watching your journey. And, you know, it's so important to have strength and to believe in yourself always and, you know, be the best version of yourself that you can be. And we can be. It doesn't matter what's happened to us. We can be and we will be if we allow ourselves to be, right? Yes, you're unstoppable, especially when you believe in yourself. Exactly. That's the key, believing in yourself. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It's what do we do with it? How do we turn it around to believe in ourselves and then be of service to others? Right. Exactly. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much, love. It's been a pleasure having you on here. And until Thanks. next time, folks, remember there's somebody out there that you know that's hurting. Reach out to them. They may push you away at first. Doesn't matter. Just say, I'm there for you. Is it a meal? Is it a walk? Is it a listen? Can I send flowers? Just be there for them and allow them to go through their process. But let them know you are there for them because you are the strength that they need in order to find their own strength and courage. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.